What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, we are ever so close. My math is correct. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we are 72 hours from kickoff. That is correct, John. My math correct? It's darn right correct. And guess what else we're 72 hours from? Possible rain in New England on Thursday night. Sorry. It's in the forecast. I actually wouldn't even mind it. Uh, I actually really? wouldn't even care. Uh, yeah. You won't care, but let me tell you something. All right, I've mentioned before, and this is a little inside baseball stuff, mm-hmm. that we produce our own preseason TV broadcasts. Right. We won't do the Saints game because that's a Fox game. Right. Right. But everything else we do if it's not a national game. So every year it's two, three, four preseason games, no longer four. So we're producing this one. Right. Now I'm sweating out, and I order the trucks and mm-hmm. you know, help out and things yeah. like that on a business end. I'm sweating out satellite issues with yeah. the cloud cover if yeah. there are thunderstorms or thunder delay. Not good. Ooh. Please, no. Because now you're in rain delay mode and you can't put on Leave it to Beaver or Andy <laughs> Griffith or whatever your local station used to do back in the day. Some of you more seasoned people remember rain delays like that. These days, it's more like you're watching the Astros on AT&T Sports Southwest and they'll put on something else, right? They'll right. put on whatever, you know, Astros bases loaded TV show. Well, guess what? We've got TV shows galore. Yeah. So I think from the truck, we could air one of those specials, you know, some long features, whatever. But I'm hoping that that is not the case and we can get through the broadcast, get through the game. No, I'm with you. I had looked at the weather the other day and I was mad because it was going to be 85 degrees. And I'm like, why are you mad at 85 degrees? That's a cold front for us right now. I know. That's why I was like, I wasn't, I just, I wanted, I was getting selfish. (laughs) I was, I was being greedy and I wanted about 76 degrees. Um, But it's been so darn hot that we got rain. I don't think that I would, I honestly, I don't know that I would care. I don't, you know how my, I panic about the rain because I got equipment down there and whatever. And it just, who cares? It's going to be football and hopefully we can get it in and, and I, as soon as you start talking about the TV, I was like, oh, yeah. Now, the three of us, you, me, and Dre, we've had that rain delay before. In Tennessee. Well, we had it last year in Tennessee, and it wasn't even a rain delay. Cleveland. It was, just, it was cold. Cleveland. Yeah. The COVID year. Yeah. I have never in my life seen rain or hail or whatever that was ever like that. That was November, too. That yeah. was weird. That was you don't expect that. No, that was brutal. Yeah, it was. It was probably like 45, 50 mile an hour winds coming off the lake. Ooh, and the wind is just whipping at my back. How did Watson do in that game? It wasn't good on either side. I know. It was not good. It was not good on either side. So, well, hopefully that this, was a good year for Cleveland, though they made the playoffs. They won a playoff game. Well, this this front. I, this is the one thing I have followed. Your meteorology update. This front is kind of moving up time-wise. Oh. Because this was scheduled for Friday originally. Oh. So maybe it, maybe it goes through in the afternoon and it blows out of there. You, yep. you never know. That'd be nice. You never know. I but- actually, as a fan in New England years ago, years ago when I lived there, mm-hmm. I went to a Patriots preseason game where it was rain-soaked. Really? You know, they do exist. Yeah. Sometimes you can get a real gully washer this time of year up in that part of the country, and I'm yep. hoping that's not the case for our sake. Yeah, it's uh, be nice to have kind of a clean game, but and for the fans' sake, they want to watch the game on TV, yes. clean, no delays, no right. nothing. Let's go. But you know, we gotta 
you you know as well as I do, we'll do what we've got to do, especially on radio. We can we can kind of dance and do those things. That Tennessee thing during Christmas Eve was weird. That was wild. That was really that weird because we got to the stadium and I saw they're not ready to do an NFL game right here. The field is not ready. Things weren't set up right on the sideline. The bench areas. Nothing. What was. are they doing? They were blowing the field with the leaf blowers the tarp was or whatever. Still on it. Yeah, it was it very was, strange. It was odd. I almost, I almost felt like, I almost felt like somebody missed their wake up call. Yeah. Uh, or missed their alarm, and they yeah, were they supposed were to be there to take the tarp off, and they weren't. And so they were like, "Mayor, bail us out!" And so the mayor was talking about power. You know, who knows? But game got played, and the Titans lost. And so that's on them. But that was awesome. Yeah, that was a cold. That was a cold day, man. That was a cold day. I'll tell you what, though. I'll take the cold. I'll take the cold over the rain, anytime. Okay. Any. I mean, anytime. you're on the sideline, so I have to take anytime. your word for it. Yeah, I know. Dre would disagree because he's dry in the booth. <laughs> yeah. And he's cold in the booth with I, the windows open, which he resents me for, <laughs> demanding that the windows be open. So for those that give you a peek behind a curtain i can't remember which game this was but we were oh man where were we and i i can't remember i think it was maybe aaron or somebody sent a picture and you were standing up and you were calling it was the that one it was, was that, that one. one yes dre <laughs> sitting down and has a space heater in his lap yep I just and he's got the window closed yeah, in front of him. He's got the window. Closed I have the window open in front of me, <laughs> as if that's going to make a big difference. I just, I am dying laughing. And meanwhile, I'm downstairs just freezing my my you know what off. Uh, today practice, it was a non padded practice. So there were a couple of team periods that actually were a heavy, heavy, heavy focus on the run. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything you took out of today's practice? I think there were two noteworthy things, Mark. I'll get your gut reaction on number one. D'Amico Ryan's talked about Titus Howard uh, going to be out a while dealing with a hand or a wrist or whatever it was. And then the fact that C.J. Stroud would be starting on Thursday against the Patriots. Your thoughts? Uh, not surprised based on what we've seen the last two, three days. I think Stroud is getting better and better. Uh, there were some moments today where, look, he's going to have a rookie moment or two. Mm-hmm. And I think the offense – Everybody's a rookie. Bobby Slowick's a rookie offensive coordinator. Uh, you have some rookies playing out there. You have a new system in place, even if these were all vets that have been playing together for a while. Let's say Strad was a third-year vet, and you had a new OC come in with a new system. You're going to have some moments in practice that aren't as pretty as others, right? But you still had some pretty moments. You tell me what happened at the end, though, because – there was a moment Stroud rolled to the right sideline, threw back across his body oh, inside was... the five, and a beautiful catch by Nico Collins. But was that a would-be sack or something? Because no one reacted the way I thought they should. Right. Because that was a hell of a catch by Nico Collins with one hand inside the five, and I think he had to reach back for it, not in front of him for it. It was a heck of a catch. It was a heck of a throw. It He's was. rolling right and threw back, which – it's a no, no, it's no, yes. Old, yes, it was the old <laughs> adage of you don't throw you don't throw late across the middle and you definitely don't throw across your body across the middle. Here's the thing, and we, we talked about this actually a little bit this morning with, with John McClain. We were talking about coaches and quarterbacks, best in the NFL, and we were talking with Landry about that too. Actually, it's Landry brought it up. Who's the greatest quarterback of all time? Okay, it's Brady. Okay, who's number two? And he said Mahomes, and I think Mahomes I, – I put Mahomes third for me because I – think it's a ma- it's just a matter of time it's just how long is it going to be a year two three before we look at Mahomes and go yeah, yeah he's the best there's ever been Mahomes is breaking all the rules for all quarterbacks watching 
young kids are growing up and they're watching Mahomes and they're like, well, if Patrick Mahomes can do it, well, yeah, you're not Patrick. Right. But you're seeing more and more quarterbacks that defy normal convention, if you will. Right. And can make those throws. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mahomes, if I'm Andy Reid, I, I don't bat an eye when Mahomes makes that throw. And I think we'll get to a point where CJ makes that throw, we'll be like, yeah, okay. But he put it right on the money, and Nico made one heck of a catch. One oh, heck yeah. of a catch. Yeah, it was beautiful. So that's good. I mean, he was under pressure. It's kind of like Montana in the NFC Championship game, and you're running out of sideline, and you're being harassed. The pressure's coming at you, and he went ahead and lobbed one, but this time it went over the middle instead of back of the end zone in the catch game. And it was a great catch by Nico. There were some other receptions as well that I thought were good. I love throwing to the backs. I love the east-west stuff they do because it's going to move the ball. You're going to bend the defense. You're going to get 8, 10 yards on certain plays. And go ahead, matriculate the ball down the field whichever way you need to because I got a feeling this defense is going to keep you in some games. The thought about Titus being out. I don't know how long it's going to be. I mean, if it's a hand or a wrist, you know, look, we've seen guys play through it depending on what it is. We've seen guys. He said a while. Yeah, he said a while. I don't know what that. See, I have not been able to get the D'Amico translator yeah, out. And I'm glad you said that. Like with O'Brien, I knew that he's going to miss some time. I knew what that meant. Yeah. Right? Right. If he says it's not life-threatening, that means he's probably not missing much. Right. Right? So I don't know D'Amico's way of putting things yet, but I'm monitoring so I understand it so I can get out the D'Amico translator when I really need it. Yeah, I'm with you. That's a good way of putting it, the D'Amico translator. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not too, too long. Uh, I actually happened to see him on Saturday night after the night practice, smiling, picking up some food. So, you know, he seemed to be in pretty good spirits. So hopefully uh, everything will be good uh, at that point with Titus because it's a little slim with the offensive line, man. Yeah. Wow. I mean, with no Charlie Heck and, you know, now Titus not – in practice, don't know when you're going to get him back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you lost DJ Scaife the other day, right? And you might you not lost want to, Scott Quesenberry already, right? You might not want to start Shaq Mason. Maybe you don't want to right. start Titus. I don't know how they're feeling about things. Whatever group they have out there to begin might be in there for a while, yeah. Right, yeah. and then you got to finish out the game. That's the thing about these preseason games. If you want to protect certain guys. Other guys have to play a lot. Now, that's good for them because they get to show their stuff. Mm-hmm. But you need them to stay healthy, too. The last thing you can afford is massive, well, massive, massive injuries on the offensive line. But, of course, you know, it goes without saying. I always say in training camp, not always, but sometimes you get certain position groups that are just bit and mm-hmm. others stay remarkably healthy. Tight end here is something that's been bitten by the injury bug this right. year. Oh. And line a little bit. Let's not go further with that. Tight ends. Brevin's been out. Tegan Quatoriano's been out pup. Jordan Murray was out of practice today. Ooh, that's bad. He Dal- needs to play. I know. George, uh, Dalton Schultz was out, but now he's back. That's good. And then you got Mason Shrek, Eric Tomlinson, Andrew Beck, depending on how you classify him. That's all right. Shrek's going to play a ton on Thursday. Yeah, so I, think Tomlinson. I think I think Shrek could have four or five catches. I don't know. I, Shrek could be your leading receiver on Thursday night. Ooh, oh, that's good. I love what Landry put out there for the fantasy draft for yeah. preseason. <laughs> fantasy draft. It's <laughs> for funny the because preseason. Yeah, too. but I, I like that stuff because that's what we're looking at. We yeah. have three games to play here, and you mentioned Schultz. I don't know if I need to see Schultz on no, Thursday, I, Johnny. I don't, I don't think I do. Joint I don't practice do. is fine, not game action in these next three. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But we will see the general, John McClain. We caught up with him. It's general reloaded right here in Texas. All access. Day 10 of trading camp, game night, Thursday night, 6 o'clock, 3 o'clock, countdown to kick off, presented by Modelo right here on 
Sports Radio 610, the Bull 100.3 FM. I guess I'm still part of the pregame show. Yeah, sure, General. Actually, I don't know. I was only home games. Brooks Cabina does the road games. Okay, because Brooks on site. Okay, so we'll have Brooks Brooks on Thursday, and we'll have um, you on the uh, follow-up game, which will be Miami 3 o'clock on August 19th. I'm I'm guessing. I haven't been told that, but I'm guessing. Yeah, looking forward to to seeing and hearing Andy Kalou in the color commentator role on Texans TV on Thursday night with Kevin Kugler and Drew Doherty. Can't wait to see Andy, one of my all-time favorite people. When I started covering the Texans in 05, I didn't want to cover you guys because I knew you were going to be bad. I covered <laughs> enough bad football. Plus, I had the greatest job in the NFL for yes, eight years. you did. I went anywhere I wanted, wrote as much as I wanted, and spent what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And i uh, never forget, uh, they called me in and saying, well, Dan Cunningham, sports editor, uh, he was moving for promotion, and there was a, then Fred Fowler was moving up. Carlton Thompson, who was the beat guy the first three years, he was going to be assistant sports editor. Now he wanted to move inside. So they asked me, could you do it one season, then you can go back on the NFL. And I said, uh, yeah, they'll be better this season, and two and 14. <laughs> and, uh, and then they said, well, you're going to have to keep covering the Texans because we're not going to be spending the money like we did before. So I did. And, uh, and I, I remember – how exciting it was the first year. I don't know if there will ever be anything to equal that excitement of the first training camp. And then, and Gary Kubiak's was exciting, too, him coming home. But this one with D'Amico, considering the team has been bad for three years in a row, and it continues to build with C.J. Stroud and and a lot of these young players like Tank Dell, who's going to – you know he's going to be a crowd favorite. Fans love him. Media likes him. I'm doing a column on him for tomorrow on – SportsRadio610.com. Also talked to Dana Holgren about him and what he expects from him. And uh, Dana said some great, interesting things, which you'll have to read to to know. But you can imagine what he said. But the excitement of C.J. separating himself last week, we've known all along he's going to be the starter. I thought Davis would start the first preseason game. But it looks like now with him getting all the reps with the first team that he will. And we, we asked Amico about it afterward. And he'll, oh, he did. <laughs> and uh, so he they noticed. Know. I still don't think it'll, he'll announce him as the starter till they see him. They see him in the joint practices next week. They see him against the Patriots. And I kind of like the way they're doing it. Instead of, you know, Bryce Young being anointed ahead of the time, I don't know if it makes any difference. But it's certainly a lot of people. The suspense has been good for a lot of people, and I can't. I'm, I don't show it outwardly like you guys do on the show about how fired up you are about the start of preseason. But I am too, what? and the reason is it's one one step closer to regular season. See, I'm in the oppressed minority of people who absolutely love the pre. I absolutely love the preseason. It's I always have. You were born too late. You should have been there when there were six exhibitions. That's games. a lot, though. It's real. It's real <laughs> Wait a minute. You a said you love it. That's a lot. I mean, it's just it's football. You love it's it or exciting. you don't. And the That's vibe, the vibe for this team is just that much higher, John. You you know that. I right? don't. I don't want. Excuse me, John. Be a dinosaur, but I am. But if you think about the way it used to be when there were six games. They built up. Six the last games. preseason games against Dallas were 
the starters played three quarters because yep. they were getting yep. them ready mm-hmm. for the next week. And that last game against the Cowboys, mm-hmm. you talk about the intensity of a regular season game. Mm-hmm. They had it. And it was so much fun. I didn't like the six six exhibition games, as we called them back then, but I liked the way they built up with the starters. One quarter, two quarter, three quarters, and then they're ready to go. I, I want to know what the analytics are on injuries then versus now. I know the concussions are down. They track that. And I'm, I'm sure they track everything. They track that very carefully. But we had Kevin Bastine on last week. He was visiting the very yep. first head athletic trainer in Texans history, and he's retired now. He's most recently with the Lions. And he said, you know, the funny thing, and he was with Washington, Joe Gibbs yep. and Charlie, uh, Charlie Casserly. Hey, see, I had Kevin Bastine with me in Washington. See, he was awesome. Great athletic trainer. I brought him over here with the Texans. Anyway, so he said there are just as many injuries now. He, and I think he's just going anecdotal info here. Just as many injuries now with all this cut down of two-a-days and OTAs being the way they are and everything else and fewer preseason games. But I know they're down on concussions and probably a few other things Every as well. coach and player will tell you back when they went two two-hour practices, full contact from the first day of camp to toughen them up and get them in shape. They, and they watch the game. There's, there's, the injuries are just about, about the same. They get more attention now because you have social media and you have, you know, every mm. team's got a broadcast and a website like you, do, you guys do, and you do a tremendous job of getting the information out. And so that's the way it is. They're more publicized. And, uh, but... Every coach will tell you players need to hit more. They need to have longer practices. They need to have more practices. But it's the way of the world. Bill Belichick talked about that in his first news conference. His first year was 75 with Ted Marshall Broda and the Colts as an assistant and worked his way up special teams. And, and uh, But he said you got to go with what the, uh, what the rules are. And, and there do seem to be more pull muscles. More pull, whether it's growing hamstrings, uh, anything. Mm. There seemed to be more. What's interesting is I was trying to explain this to my daughter yesterday. My daughter doesn't really know anything about football. We were talking about preseason. I don't know how we got on it. We got on a preseason. And I said, well, you know, it's changed. I said, you know, back in my day we used to do two days and all that. And she kind of stopped. She goes, well, shouldn't you practice football more so you're ready to play in the regular season? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> and then I had to try and explain the CBA, and that just didn't well, happen. That just didn't happen at all. Uh, General, you kind of – Hang on one second. Henry Todd told, told us last week, first day, Nick Saban, they hit every day. Oh, yeah. They hit yeah, every yeah. day, and I guess all the colleges go full contact because they don't have preseason games. Yeah, they have to. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. They do these scrimmages once a week. They probably, probably do at least two hard-hitting scrimmages, and those are for real. I remember at Miami seeing those – that was fun stuff to watch, seeing guys like Sean Taylor and Vince Wilfork go at it, not against each other because they right. were both on that side of the ball, but it was fun. A&M was in the, in the uh, stadium last night having, a, having some sort of scrimmage. So that's, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's such a long period. But I think the few first couple weeks, yeah, a little shaky in college. I feel like the NFL's product the first two, three weeks can be kind of all over the place because guys are playing together for the first time. 
you know, quarterbacks are throwing to receivers maybe that have sat out, offensive linemen are kind of getting their groove, but it's still the NFL football, and it's so fantastic. So you don't care if it's a 9-7 game. You just, mm-hmm. just want to watch it. General, you're talking about the quarterbacks a little bit. Let's not dance around it. Thursday night at New England, when the first offense comes out, do you think it's CJ or do you think they go with Davis? How do you think this is handled over the next 10 days? Now, before you answer that, it's funny because Nick Casario was on the morning show last week, and they asked him about the quarterback announcement, starting quarterback, how it would be revealed. Here's what Nick had to say. I think it's probably pretty organic. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether or not we actually come out, and I would say I'd be surprised if we, like, come out and you know, with a sign that says, you know, so-and-so is going to start, you know, week one. I think D'Amico talked about it. We'll have a quarterback under center against Baltimore, and I That's think good. we'll have an idea. <laughs> Um, I don't think they'll big. You so, know, that sounds like a smokescreen to they'll, me. They'll, they'll, <laughs> there'll be some, uh, you know, red carpet balloon announcement of here we go. So we'll just keep kind of working day to day, give the players the opportunity to go out there, work hard, have a good attitude, compete, and then you know when we play Baltimore, we'll have somebody under center. Hopefully, that's ready to go. Jeez. Red carpet balloon announcement. I love that. Well, Nick he also gave away one. some of their strategy by saying we'll have a quarterback under center. That means they're going to oh. take snaps under center. Could have been Pierce. Nick Casario <laughs> giving away strategy. Look, I'll last tell you, year they put two quarterbacks on the field, if, so, you know, yeah. if, you never know. If uh, if if – I mean, sorry, if Stroud's taking all the first-team snaps again, mm-hmm. is he going to not start in that game? How stupid would that be? They yeah. need to see him yeah. with as many starters as possible – we're not going to see for safety Lar- purposes. Laramie Tunsil mm-hmm. and and Shaq Mason and Titus Howard in the in the starting lineup. I don't think, and uh, they got a lot there. You know, we guy needs to play a lot. Juice Scruggs. He needs to play in every game. Now that he's a rookie starter with a rookie quarterback, but um, now that CJ's getting all the snaps with the first team, it's clear to everybody. Well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because if Mason, Laramie, whoever else, if they're all going to sit out, do you want to see Stroud behind la, uh, line number two in practice so he gets used to playing with those guys? But he's played plenty with those guys. I was thinking, do they pull the rope of dope and have Mills take the first team reps today, knowing that Laramie and company aren't playing? Well, they no. should just troll, they should troll everybody and just put Mills and Stroud on the field at the same time. Oh, well, too bad Jeff Driscoll's not here. Yeah, I'll tell you my Pep Hamilton story when I. I didn't know, I had no idea, not seen practice all that week, seen nothing when we went to Dallas. I was talking, I was on the field and I was talking to him, and I happened to watch that week Montana State use a two-quarterback system. Yeah. And I was like, man, it would be cool, two quarterbacks, and then the second series, they both go on the field together. And I'm like, Pep, I didn't know anything, man. I had no idea you were doing this because when I was telling him the story, he kind of looked at me with this look, and I was like, he's going to do this, isn't he? Oh, and he did. He did. It was that day at Dallas that he put two on the field. So I was just like, I just, I, I didn't know anything. I wasn't spying. I had no drones. I didn't, I didn't want him to think I knew that. Wouldn't but, have mattered anyway. Yeah, you're right. Gen- Almost won it, General. So it's a preseason game, but we're going to see arguably the greatest head coach in NFL history. Billy O'Brien? No, not him. Uh, he was a good head coach. I, uh, excuse but me. Bill I Belichick. ran a, a thing yesterday. I sent out a tweet. Mike Reese. Oh, I saw this. Who does a great job of covering the Patriots for ESPN. Talked about the great ovation. I couldn't run the whole thing, which was Bill talking about the feelings mutual. But when he came out, they gave him this thundering ovation. They love him there. And I think it's because, you know, when he was there with Brady, they were really good. Mm-hmm. And then now he'll be tested more, you know, because he had – Watson here now he's got Mac Jones but the fans do love him and he's it was mutual and he had some good quotes about him and I'm eager Bill I'm guessing will be up in the press box like he he was both 
when he was at New England. They had him on the sideline. We got that famous argument with Brady, but they in a two of the football lives with Belichick. He was on the constantly on the headphones. Billy, Billy, because he was up in the booth. Billy, we got to do this. Billy, we got to do that. I still love it the way everybody up there. And every former player who was there calls him Billy. Is there no doubt in your mind that Belichick is the greatest coach ever? Or is there an argument to be made? And if he is, who's second? Three years ago, I would have said uh, yes, without a doubt. But now that Brady's gone, and every if you look at the greatest coaches, they all had great quarterbacks, except Joe Gibbs. Yeah, Joe Gibbs won one. three Super Bowls and went to another one with coaches that you've never I mean, quarterbacks you never mentioned in the same sentence as Hall of Fame, but does anybody ever say Joe Gibbs is the greatest? Lombardi had star. You know, Bill Walsh had two great ones. Where does Montana. Shula fit in? He has the all-time win mark. And Shula has uh, – he had Dan Marino and he had Bob Greasy. He's got two But Hall Greasy got hurt during the 72. And he went undefe- with Earl Morrow. Yep. He was MVP, and which says a lot. And Belichick, if he continues to lose without Brady – I mean, his legacy is set, but I don't know. I think most people would say Lombardi. You know, Belichick's name is not on awards and trophies and everything. It's Lombardi, but he had great players, a lot of Hall of Fame players. Okay, I'm going to hit you with one, and sometimes I think receipt bias, not to say receipt bias, but when you're thinking about somebody that's still coaching, you don't Mm -hmm. really think about one. But it popped up on my YouTube yesterday, and it was actually Jason Kelsey who said it, and I went, whoa, who is the only coach in the history of the NFL that coached in four straight championship games for two teams, two organizations. Andy Reid. Yeah. Andy Reid. He's got two Super Bowls. Right. And if he gets a third, why do we not throw Andy Reid in Because he got Patrick Mahomes. Give yeah, me but, a break. No, no, but, no, no, but no, no, no. Belichick I, had Brady. No. That's why I just made my argument. Where, where, where does Donovan McNabb rank among all-time greatest quarterbacks? Not, not that not high. Not with Patrick Mahomes. Well, and he went to five it. NFC championship games with McNabb yes. and one Super Bowl, lost right. the Super Bowl to New England. Right. And, now he, and he was winning with Alex Smith in Kansas City, resurrected that franchise immediately. But nobody was talking about him in those terms till he got They Mahomes. should have been, though. I was always defending him because I thought, look, the guy hasn't won a championship yet at the time he hadn't. But he's won a but ton of games. And he used he, to get ripped constantly about his clock but management. But if, if we can change the narrative on Belichick without Brady, then we can change the, the narrative about Reed with Mahomes. I think, I think Reed, when it's all said and done, because uh, I read it, it's interesting. There's at least two more. If he had never found Mahomes or they never drafted him, whatever, yeah. and he's still going to the playoffs but not winning championships, is he still coaching right now? Or is Mahomes just completely oh, I think he's still energizing him? Those guys all want to coach. I mean, coaches retire on their own. Yeah. They don't. That's they get fired. They don't want to. They don't want to retire. Andy Reid will be top three, no doubt, when he's done. I think they get two more with Patrick. That's going to give Reid four, five in total, one as an assistant. Yeah, Andy's going to be in that mix. Top three mix, there's no question. I think, in, in my mind, I think he should be up there. And when Landry asks us later about Patrick Mahomes, I think Patrick's going to be the best quarterback of all time very, very soon if he's not already. Give him some time, uh, a year. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it might take. Now, a guy that's had plenty of years in this league is Jerry Hughes. Cut up with Drew. That's next, right here on Texans All Access. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sidelined. Reporter for the team, looking forward to going up to New England on Thursday. Reminder, the game is at 6. Pre-game starts at 3. So make sure you check out uh, Sean and Seth doing the pre-game. 
And then you got Mark Andre and myself in game. And then I believe post game, I know Sean Pendergast will do it. I think Clint Sterner's back. So there'll be a lot going on post game as well. So make sure you check that out all night long Thursday, breaking down preseason game number one. Now, a guy I don't think we'll see Thursday, but then again, he might get a few reps. That's Jerry Hughes. He got some radio reps with our man Drew Doherty. Drew, take it away. Defensive end Jerry Hughes joins us now. And Jerry, with you, the work is never done. Family here at the Saturday night practice. But before you, you meet up with them, like most of your teammates are doing, we see you over on the side. You're working on some stuff with Austin Deculus. Well, why is the work never over? Oh, man, well, you know, as a professional athlete, you got to always perfect your craft. we got such a small window here at training camp where we got the pads on. We can go full speed. We can simulate game-like drills, movements. So I figured, you know, this is something that Austin and I have been doing ever since this rookie year. We like to just do a little bit extra after practice. And it just sharpens us up. Iron sharpens iron has been our model this whole offseason. And that's all we're trying to do is just find that little inch so we can uh, get better. And that's nothing new for you. When did when did you start doing that? Was it in college, high school? Was it a few years into the league? When did that all begin? Uh, it started back in college just because coming into college, I was a running back trying to play defensive end. So I was trying to figure out how to gain weight. And then at the same time, going against guys that are 350, 330. So I, I needed all the extra reps I could get just to figure out what I'm doing out there. What's the optimism level like right now? You were here a year ago. What's it like right now? Oh, man, we're sky high. It's a brand new team. We got new leadership, great leadership that's leading us in the right direction. And as a young team with a lot of energy and a lot of talent, that's what we need. And we can just see all of the young players really gravitating towards that, learning the game of football. And it's just amazing just to watch them unlock all of their potential at an early age. It's something that's very rare that you're able to see young guys playing faster as the training camp goes on. They're picking up our installs. They're learning it on one day, coming back out and being able to practice it at a full speed. And that's really, you know, NFL caliber. That's that material. When you have a young team that can do that, it's just going to make the season a lot of fun. And we're going, we're just excited to really just pin our ears back and play Texans ball. Tell me what this week is like for you as, as a veteran. The day off on Sunday, you have a couple days, then it's a travel day for a preseason game. Don't know how much you'll play. But what's it like when you get through those sort of dog days of the training camp? Man, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, one, the, the heat's always on your back. It's wearing you down mentally and physically. At the same time, you're, you're constantly hitting the same guy and over and over. We've kind of learned ourselves. We know what each other's move is, per se, when you're kind of battling against an offensive lineman. I'm sure it's the same for wide receivers and cornerbacks and so on. But, you know, we always talk about pushing through days like this, you know, being able to grind, being able to find one thing that can make yourself better. And we got a coaching staff that actually helps us out in that area. So we get reminded early on how we can improve before practice. And then it's great because guys are focusing on that 1%. And that's all you need in this league is to get better 1% day in and day out. And the results will show. Hey, you just talked about optimism for the defense, for the team. As somebody who's going against the offense, what do you see in there? What's got you optimistic about that side of the ball? I mean, we've been a, a, a very physical team as far as when it comes down to running the ball, and we're still able to do that. And that's what you want to see. You, when you're playing in this league, you got to be able to have some kind of run game, and we still got that. So that's great. And then also we got such talented receivers that can stretch the field. Oh, man, it's just going to be amazing when you can balance it up with run and then hit guys with play action. It's just a one-two punch that not a lot of teams have, but it's something that we're going to be able to utilize. All right, let's wrap this up. We've got a few things we got to get to. We need to rank the Hughes. We got you. We got Howard Hughes. We've got Hugh Jackman, the actor, Hugh Grant, the actor, and then Larry Hughes, 14 years in the NBA. How does that all shake out? Man, 
you know, I got to go with myself first. I love confidence. You, know, you got to have confidence in yourself. You got to believe in yourself. And then you got to go with Howard Hughes. I mean, aviation guy. I mean, the movie that Leonardo DiCaprio did was fantastic. You know, And you're a Houstonian. You appreciate that. I'm a Houstonian. I appreciate it. And the fact that they were able to highlight on his life and career, that was fantastic. And third of all, not to say third, but Larry Hughes, a great basketball player, someone that we love to see going out there, a good, big, strong, power forward, dominating the glass. Can't get any better than that. One, two, three, punch. That, I got it. And then the, I guess the actors are tied for last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, 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 I mean Hughes and Hugh, that's, it's a, it's a toss-up for those two guys. Yeah, you're sticking with the last name. Right, that's right. good stuff. Complete this sentence. The thing I love the most about H-Town is? The fans. The energy that they bring into the building, man. Uh, when you're here at a home game and you're coming out that tunnel and it's just an electric feeling, I tell everybody, especially the young guys who haven't experienced, just wait. You don't need any extra boost, no pre-workout. They're going to bring all that for you. You just, just got to show up and play football. Final two, a cheat meal for you is what? Mm, man, peanut M&Ms. Really? Yeah, I can I can probably take one of those little king-size bags, cheat meal right there. Okay, and how do you spend a day off from training camp? No practice on Sunday. You got a day off in the pool, probably just trying to cool down, chill, relax, hide away from the kids so I might be underwater submerged a little bit you know but uh other than that in the pool relaxing if you got kids you're throwing those kids around aren't you oh and then that becomes a lot more of a workout less relaxing there you go Jerry Hughes thanks for the time best of luck this week Thank you, brother. Have a good one. there is Jerry Hughes like I said don't know if he'll play on Thursday but you know there's a couple positions where it's a little thin now Defensive end has been okay, except Dylan Horton's been banged up a little bit, so we haven't seen him as much. Interior has been tough. You've had Booker out, Heinish out. Um, Rankins was out, I think, for a day or two. Maybe that was just a rest day, but kind of kind of tough on the inside and on the offensive line. So, obviously, in the trenches, a little tough. But we might see Jerry for a few plays, but we really don't need to see him all that much. My guess is we won't see him at all. Um, I always like trying to guess who we're going to see in that game. I think Laramie, obviously the news on Titus today, um, Shaq Mason, I don't think we'll see any of those three guys on the offensive line. Um, I think on the defensive line, I think Jerry won't play a whole heck of a lot. I don't even know if you'll see a lot of the interior guys either, Rankins, Ridgeway. If you see him, you won't see him for long. Um, so there are going to be some guys pulling in some, a lot of minutes, a lot of plays on Thursday night, but it won't be 100 your heat. But he might have to do it in rain. So we'll have to figure that out on Thursday and see what comes of it. All right, we get back. We got a little twofer. We got Johnny Johnson, who I had a chance to catch up with on Monday, today. Yeah, that was fun. And also Darius Phillips, who Mark and I caught up with on Saturday after the night practice. That's next on Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Day Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. It's time to talk to. Johnny Johnson. It's my first time getting a chance to talk to Johnny. Johnny Harris, Johnny Johnson, some fun stuff. And he's good on the mic, man. I told him afterwards, play as long as you can because I'd like to keep my job, dude. So let's take a listen. Johnny Johnson and me, Johnny Harris. Let's go. All right, it's a fun one. Johnny Harris, Johnny Johnson coming at you. Johnny, I've asked this of everybody that I talked to. Now, we've got some nice cloud cover, but how are you making it through the heat? Um, it's been good. I feel like through a year I've been able to adjust. You know, this year it's a lot easier than last year. Um, but, you know, it's been it's been good some days. Last year, past couple have been real nice. Yeah, past couple have been real nice. The night practice, we had some clouds. Johnny, your second year, when you flash back to last year, rookie, first year in the NFL versus where you are now, 
what's been kind of the biggest change for you, like getting comfortable, route running? What's been the biggest change for you in a year's time? Um, I think the mental side, I grew a lot last year um, as far as like just reading coverages. Um, you know, depending on route and how I can win, um, just 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 easier ways to win on the field, and then obviously just I feel like routes, um, just just technically, just um, just getting the fine point down of all my routes. To get out of training camp and get into a live game this week, I'd imagine for a player you're kind of itching to have that happen. How excited are you for Thursday at New England? Extremely excited. You know, this is the, this is the time you make the money for the year and um, you go get it. You know, you you build up all that all that work through the summer and the spring for moments like this. Been working with all these quarterbacks. Be something about these three quarterbacks with CJ, Case, and with Davis. Um, you know, they, they can all sling it. They all got great placement. Um, you know, CJ and, and, and Mills got great deep ball. Um, you know, Case, Case is a great leader back there. I feel like Case does a great job of, especially us younger guys, cooling us down in the huddle and, you know, getting everybody right on that everybody can do their job and everything. So, you know. When you were with Oregon, you were one of my favorite receivers. I loved watching you were that Oregon. And you were in a Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Next year, You'll be famous Johnny Johnson from the Oregon Ducks in the Big Ten. It sounds kind of weird, man, but what do you think about this changeover, all that's going on in college football with your alma mater? Um, I would say it's a blessing, man, because I feel like everybody's looked down on the Pac-12 for a long time. So, you know, just giving us the opportunity to compete in the Big Ten and, and really if we can take over that conference and do what we need to do, I feel like, you know, our, we'll be more respected nationwide. And I think it's going to be great for us. Okay, what's a better helmet? Any of the Ducks helmets or the Battle Red last year? You know, I'm a Ducks for life, man. I'm going to go Ducks all the way. We got the, we got the most drip in the nation. Nah, there's no doubt about that. Which was the best drip? Uh, for me, I really like the... Mm, that's, a, that's a great question. I honestly, my, my, recent, my recent favorite would probably be the black with the yellow, with the yellow Ooh. wings on it. That was, yeah. a, that was a real good one for me. Yeah. Johnny, this wide receiver room, a lot of people have talked about it nationally. Oh, it's not very good. It's this, it's that. But we watch you guys out here. We see the talent that you guys have. What do you guys have in that wide receiver room? What's special about that group? Um, I think we have a lot of uh, creatively different type of receivers, different body types, you know, guys with different talents. And I feel like we all learn from each other. Um, I feel like this room is filled with, filled with a lot of technicians that know how to get open at the end of the day. We're not sloppy route runners. We're, we're smart football players, too. So I feel like this room has a lot of savvy guys that know how to get open. Johnny, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hopefully that man can go to New England and show it off like he did in week one last year of the preseason when he was a rookie. All right, let's talk with Darius Phillips. Saturday night, night practice, got a little wild, got fans, got music going on, all kinds of stuff, but Darius Phillips was good. Let's take a listen to what he had to say to Mark and myself. Darius Phillips joining us after practice, the night practice. How was it here in front of the fans? I mean, it was electric. You know, I've been, this is my sixth year in the league, and this is crazy. Like, I feel like a, almost like a game day atmosphere up here. So it's kind of, it's electrifying and exciting to see the fans out here cheering us on. Darius, the first practice, I saw you coming off the field. I was waiting for my interview, and you're like, man, it's just like back in college. It's like Western Michigan. You still think that with the heat and the humidity? Oh, no, I was saying that because I was, I was just playing a little good defense, so I was talking some uh, trash to my, uh, <laughs> to my old teammates. So, no, the, the heat out here is definitely different from, uh, from Kalamazoo, Michigan. <laughs> How does it feel to have two other Detroit guys on the team with Tavier Thomas and Desmond King? Um, it's, it's actually uh, very welcome, you know. I knew them since I was uh, younger playing Little League, so – Coming here and then seeing the familiar faces is actually like kind of exciting. You know, we grew up in the same uh, neighborhood, played for the same little, uh, little league football league. I used to play against them two guys, so it's, it's exciting uh, being on the same team for us. Feels like more and more guys are coming from the D. You know, yeah. Sauce up in New York, you see a lot of guys coming from Detroit. What is it about that area? I mean, 
there's just so many players. Obviously, we have three of them here, but there's yeah. so many of them that come out of that area and are making it to the league. What's the what's been the secret? Um, I just think it's just this guys want to uh put, put Detroit on the uh map. You know, a lot of guys be like down south and they get like they get to play football all year round, and guys up north really don't. So I just think us coming out and showing showcasing what Detroit can do is uh very big for our uh, city. You're having a good camp. What goes into having a good camp? Um, just consistency, trying to uh, doing the same routine, getting extra film, and just trusting my technique and trusting what the coaches is, is telling us to do. You know, we got that, this little thing that what what is one or two things that you get better with every day. And I, I try to change my things up and come out and I actually apply them to the field. Darius, we're going to make you put on your scout hat on the other side of the ball, the receivers you're facing. What have you seen with, with that group? Some young dudes in there, but you also got some vets like Robert Woods. What do you see from the receiver group that you're facing every day? Um, I see a lot of them guys. I see uh, Jalen Cap, uh, Tank, uh, Robert Woods. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that's coming out and getting better every day and getting us better as well. There's some young guys on there like Hutchison and, uh, like I said, uh, Tank and Matthews. They come out, you can tell that they're getting more comfortable and getting more uh, familiar with the system, and it's, it's getting the whole team better. you got a preseason game coming up Thursday night at New England. How important are these to hone your craft? Oh, this is very important. You know, we've been going against uh, our guys, so it's, it's, uh, it's going to be kind of exciting to go against the, uh, We can hit other guys and fill, fill out other guys and actually put our technique against some people that we haven't uh, faced. What's better or more fun, the preseason game or the joint practices you have? Um, I'm going to go with the uh, preseason game, you know, just because you can actually go out and uh, hit and, and just keep let score. loose. Keep scoring. You, somebody actually get the win and lose. Yeah, when, when you're not able to hit, because you really can't hit each other out here, maybe make a little contact, it's kind of a disadvantage for the defensive guys. You don't get to really do your stuff. Yeah, you know, they get, then we get the, uh, the rest, get to um, spot the ball wherever they want. You know, we think we tag them off probably five, six yards ahead of what the uh, rest do. So it's kind of... It's kind of give and take. Darius, what's it like in that secondary room? It's a good mix of vets and some young dudes. What's that secondary room like? Um, I, I think we're connected. You know, I'm new here, and they all, they all welcome me with uh, welcoming arms. So a very connected uh, DB group, and we all pushing each other. We, are, we have a standard to, to make sure that we're not letting the other guy down. So I think that's going to be very helpful for us this season. All right, full disclosure, I used to be the play-by-play announcer at Central Michigan. I know you went to Western, yeah, right? Yeah. And Troy Hairston here went to Central. So have you guys discussed the biggest rivalry in college sports? Yeah, we discussed it. And uh, he know he know who the, be- who the best team in the MAC is and who the best between that rivalry. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Darius. Good luck. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good stuff. Darius Phillips, Johnny Johnson, Jerry Hughes, John McClay, Mark Vandermeer, me, All the above, boy, we had a good time. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Last day of Texans training camp live at 8. Don't miss it. See you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans.